0: You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. Here's a question. Do you think that life is random? Do you think that life is random? Is life just a bunch of uh, just unassociated events that happens in your life? and you have no choice but just to respond to them. Some people would say that life's not random at all. You know, from my perspective, I won't take the time to actually walk you through my life story, but I will tell you that in my long life, I have the opportunity now to look back and see what God has done in my life and how he's worked those pieces out. And I can tell you the things that happened in my life were not random events. I really believe that. They weren't random events. It, what has happened is become the weaving of a tapestry of my life. Now, I would make the assertion of this. If you're a believer, if you consult the Lord about your decisions, and you pray earnestly, I believe that if you're a believer, that your life is not random either. Think about your life specifically. Do you think the events and the circumstances of your life, do you think they have been more God-directed, or in fact, do you think the events in your life have been random? See, many of the, many of the things that happened in our life, many of the circumstances that, ha- ha- that happened, a lot of those, frankly, we don't have much control over. Take COVID-19, you know, we don't have much control over that. But the reality is, but, but most of us do have a say in the reaction we have to those circumstances. So let me say that again. Most of us have little control over many of the events that happened in our life, stuff that happened that, you know, a lot of bad stuff or whatever those things are, accidents, accidents, but we do have a choice in how we react to those circumstances. So our study today in Luke 1 really is a study primarily about a husband and a wife and how their story played into this great gospel story that will unfold in the book of Luke. Last week, you, uh, Justin very aptly uh, brought you a lot of background information about Luke, and he was a doctor. Now, he wasn't an eyewitness during the time of Jesus' ministry, but what he did is he painstakingly went back and put together the pieces that we now know of the book of Luke and of Acts. So see, in this fact-based story that he presents, it's really the story of Jesus and the gospel. I'm thankful for his orderly account, by the way, because... Uh, having been able to capture that gospel, he actually captured things that we really don't see from the other gospel writers. So he brings us a unique, very detailed perspective. In verse 4 of Luke 1, it says this. Why did he do it? Why did he do this orderly account? He says, I did it so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So beloved, I like that word, I don't use it very much, but scripture uses it a lot because it calls us beloved. We're followers, we're believers, and we're termed beloved. So beloved, this letter that we're studying, this this Luke, lays out the story of Jesus. Now, in today's scripture, we have principal characters that are these. Zechariah, and he's an elderly Jewish priest, We have Elizabeth, which is an elderly woman that is his wife. And then we have the angel Gabriel. Those are the three primary characters in what we're going to do today. Now, there are some some other part bit players, but we really don't have names to capture them. But these are the primary ones we have. So here's what's going to happen today. Now, this means you've got to have a lot of discipline because we're going to cover a lot of Scripture. Now, I'll tell you right uh, right out of the chute there that... A lot of times when I look at a a pretty high volume of Scripture, I tell myself, you know, I I don't know how people will stay hooked up. You know, we'll lose them. Their minds will wander and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of talk myself out of it a lot of times and think, well, I'll hit it at the 40,000-foot level and then come back and add a little detail. We're going to do it differently today. We're going to cover a lot of verses. We're going to move through them very quickly. But it's important that you stay on cue with me okay because this stuff today is great stuff and it lays the foundation for Christ's coming that Eric will talk about next week and that birth as we, lead up to Christmas, as we lead up to Christmas so join me at verse 5 as we start this in Luke 1 and this is where we start to have the discussion about these primary characters so in the time of Herod the king of Judah there was a prince, or there was a prince, a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So what he's saying is, is here's, a, here's a couple, and he's given credentials. You know, this is just not your random group of people. She was actually, if you think about who Aaron was, he was the high priest of Israel, the first high priest of Israel, and he was the older brother of Moses, you'll remember. And so what he's saying is he, she is from the line of Aaron. She's from this line of priests as well. So in verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive but they were both very old. It's interesting that when God went to pick out people, admittedly, these people were blameless. They were great people. I mean, why wouldn't they be great parents, right? But it's interesting to me that he picked out a couple who biological, by all standards, would not be in childbearing years. They'd never had the opportunity to have a child. I think to you, if you just kind of rewind a little bit, we think about Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac, and you know Sarah was 90, Scripture says when that happened. Again. But you know what better way for God to show that he's God than to give children to people like this that obviously all the world around them would look around and say, well, they're too old to have children. But the things that we see are possible with God, and God again does one of those God things as he as this this occurs in verse eight. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot—not by lot, the guy that was, you know, that shouldn't have had his wife turn around—but he was chosen by what would have been almost like we think about shooting dice, kind of. And according to the customs of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he was chosen. Now, you have to think about Zechariah. For him, this was a significant event. Scholars tell us that there were probably about 20,000 priests on staff like Zechariah. Now, if you just think about it again, here he is, he's chosen. So for him, I mean, this is a big deal. Okay, hey, this is my day. I've been chosen. I'm the one that actually gets to go into the temple. It's a big deal. And I, I would say to you that him being chosen, we'll see, was also not a random event. In verse 10, And when the time for the burning of incense came, all these simple worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Again, you've got to love the detail. I mean, Luke's even telling us from the, from the story, he's even telling us, here he is, this is where the angels stand, and he's helping us understand and to create a, this mental image of that. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him. John he will be a joy and he'll be a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord he is never to take wine or other fermented drink I'd offer you something to think about that may not be bad advice for us by the way never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make a ready to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So it tells us right there, what was his purpose? Why did he why did he do that? Why did What's John about? Well, he's there to prepare the way, Scripture says. In verse 18, and, and understand that what's going to happen as this unfolds over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out that Jesus' birth is hot on, the, hot on the heels of the birth of John. They were only separated by a few months, and we're going to see the, the importance of all this as it unfolds. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. So Gabriel's really saying, okay, I have credentials. I stand in the presence of God. I know what's going on. I know from whence I speak. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news and now you will be silent and you will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. In other words, he challenged the angel and said, well, how can I be understand that's true? We find in scripture several times when people decided to take issue and want a little bit more information, ask one more question, that, that we find out that there's sometimes some harsh uh, reaction to that, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. When his time and the service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months re- she re- remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me she said and these these days he has shown his favor and he's taken away from the disgrace among my disgrace among the people so now we jump down to verse 57 because what we want to do is kind of capture the whole thing about Zechariah and about Elizabeth and 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 this son to be named John so we're in 57 now when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. I just thinking about sometimes that, you know, she her neighbors had come around her, they become you know, they become part of the story, if you will. And I just thinking, you know, this was her opportunity, a time for her to give testimony. And it makes me think sometimes that how many times does something happen in our life, something let's say God worthy for lack of a better term, and we choose not to give testimony about it. We've really robbed other people of the blessing of understanding God's work. And she was sharing that with those ladies around her. In 59, on the eighth day they came to circumcise a child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, "No." He's to be called John. If you remember, he was actually named by the angel and then told Zachariah what he would be called. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who have that name. So it was unusual because usually you're named after the parent. Then they made signs to the father, because again, remember he can't speak, to find out what he would what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Going back to that. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. I mean, it was, you know, you can imagine all the chatter that was going on. They were talking about all these things. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and through all the hill country in Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who had heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? I mean, you know, really, you'd think, okay, this has got to be something special that's going on here. For the Lord's hand is with him. Again, I'll admit to you, when I read through this, and even the little bit we've got left, I, I, I was challenged by the fact that a lot of times I don't go literally line by line like we've done here this morning. But what we have left—I mean, this has been powerful what we've seen happen, and the, and the position that John had in in really making way for Jesus to come. But now, what we're going to see in these next few verses we're going to find out that the prophecy and things that followed that is critically important. We'll, we'll start to understand the prophecy and, and this unfolding about Jesus and his ministry. So meet me at 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people to redeem them. That's a big deal. I mean, can you imagine if he hadn't come to his people to redeem him? If John hadn't been there to set the way and Jesus hadn't been there, we'd have no redemption. Goes on in 69, it says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Now, when he talks about a horn of salvation, let me just say it another way to you, that if you chase that horn word back in scripture, it's really saying he's raised up a symbol of of a strong king of salvation for us. He's raised up a strong king of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So see, this again is part of a fulfillment of the the covenant that was made to David. If you don't typically watch Wednesday nights, I would encourage you to do that. We're going through some terms right now. And one of the things I covered last Wednesday evening, and these are like short 25-30 minute teaching times that we're doing. But, but I went through the five covenants that we see scripturally and talk about them, one of these being David. And we see them say, say in Scripture that in the house of the servant David is where it talks about this salvation. And then in verse 70, as it was said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies. And so he's talking about, so, so this horn of salvation is going to be raised up. This is some of the stuff that's going to happen as a result of that. It'll be the salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember the Holy Covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, because remember what they told Abraham, he said, you know, I'm going to populate things. I mean, you're going to have, it's going to be your descendants are going to be like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. What a great promise, beloved, even to us today. They'll rescue us from the hands of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all of our days. And 76, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. He's talking to John again now. You're going to be a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from the heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, the lost, to guide our feet into the path of peace. I could take some of that. I don't know about you right now. We could... We could take being guided into a path of peace for a while, couldn't we? And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. Talking about John, the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So, we've covered a lot of scripture. I'd encourage you to go back and read it again. Because what we see is we see the manner in which, a very godlike manner, I mean, he picks out these two. People that are older than the hills, haven't ever had children, to bring John to. And then he becomes the pathway to start to lay the path for Jesus. Now, here's a few things I want want you to take away from this today, okay? These are the takeaways for you. So, it's my belief that the selection and timing of Zechariah and Elizabeth was absolutely not random. I believe that John's birth preceding Jesus that we've seen written here in verse 76, it says he has, percum- he has come to prepare the way for the Lord. And I believe that all that was, again, not a random event. It wasn't just a circumstance. It wasn't just a reaction. It wasn't a random event. Now, if you've chosen to follow Christ as a believer, if you've made that choice, and if you've made a choice to invest yourself, because believe me, there are people that make a choice to follow Christ, but then they don't invest themselves. They live kind of at that superficial Christian level. But if you're a person who's chosen to follow Christ, and if you invest yourself in him, then I believe that your life, whatever you're called to do for him, and your circumstances, again, are not random. Now you can kind of look back at your situation and you know just kind of scroll back through your through your life and you can kind of think about the things that have happened. You can start to if you're if you're older, you know a lot more about what I'm talking about. If you're younger, you've even started already to start to see things start to line up that seem to be random. Now I also believe that we shouldn't waste the gift of life. If you're a believer, if you've invested in Christ, and you do have a calling, by the way, if you're a believer, and you know that these circumstances aren't random, that we shouldn't waste this gift of life. We shouldn't just kind of meander through life. Wouldn't we all, don't we want to make some kind of an impact? Don't we want to have some sway over other people in a good way? Don't we want to take our brothers and sisters and the people we work with and our neighbors, don't we want them to find the same heaven that we plan to go to? But we shouldn't waste our life. And here's another thing I believe that in the takeaway is this, that we shouldn't waste our life lessons. Now, go back to what I said when I started. If you think about the circumstances in your life. And some of us, frankly, had it pretty good. But some of us, we've got knocked around a lot. But every single one of us has had circumstances in your life that can contribute to somebody else's life. Call them life lessons. But what what I'm laying out before you is we should not waste our life lessons if we've learned things, if we've been down a hard road, if we've been down a great road, whatever it is, then what we should do is we should, we should open up and be willing to share with other people. And, and just like we saw Elizabeth do, hers was a great testimony because she was saying, gosh, after all these years, I'm going to have a child. But in our situation, there are people around that need to hear what you have to say. There are people that God will put around you that are in your circumstance and you have the opportunity to do one of two things, keep your mouth shut or to give testimony to God's grace and his glory and his mercy. And that's really the choice we should make. So again, as I close, I don't believe, I personally, in my life, that's all I can tell you in my life. I don't think it's been random at all. I can, I can look back and see the things that happened that, Some of them looked like they were pretty stinking random at the time. Right, Karen? But some of them seemed random at the time. But when you start to look back with some age on you, you start to realize that those really line up much more than we thought. And a lot of them are those God things that we do. Be thinking about that and what's God calling you to do? Where where are you at in your life? Are you really sharing your life stories and your life lessons with other people? Don't waste the gift of life. Bow your heads with me. Father, I'm thankful that you've given us the gift you have, the gift of your son. I'm thankful that you called out people like John and Zachariah and Elizabeth to be ready and to to bring, to just to pave the way for this Jesus and Father, I'm, I'm just again. I'm, I'm thankful that that you loved us enough that you'd give your Son for us. You're such a faithful God. And Father, I pray that for this group that that we don't we don't want to waste life. We want to capture life. We want to live life. We want to share life. And Father, I hope that you'll allow us even to do that more as this virus can ju- if just get cleared out of our way and allow us to get back to life and enjoying each other and our relationships and I pray again Father too that, that um, for our life lessons the things we've been through maybe they're good, bad maybe they're really ugly but again uh, you didn't mean for us to waste those lessons but to use those to contribute to your kingdom in Jesus name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tauntytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.